inside access to the National Football League. NFL insider Jason Lockenfora, Ravens insider Ken Wyman. Joining us now, the former Hall of Fame coach Bill Cowher, Boomer Esiason, the head coach of the Los Angeles Rams, Sean McVay. The league at large. Brought to you by Valor Home. If you're in need of a new roof, siding, or windows, get 50% off all roofing and siding materials. Buy two windows and get one free. Plus, make no payments until 2024. Call 833-83-VALOR or online at ValorHome.com. 1057, the fan. I think the whole world knew what it meant to him um, based off of who he is and how he is, um, how he responds to certain things, and I'm, I'm happy he put on the show. You know, it's he's a special player. Um, he's a good friend. Real special player. And, um, you know, I'm, you know, I know I know we uh, make a big deal about it, but hopefully we can move on from it now. You know, he he did what he did. On to the next. That's Jalen Hurts talking about A.J. Brown, who had eight catches, 119 yards, and two touchdowns against his old team, the Tennessee Titans. And, Jason, I, I, not to beat a dead horse, but it is funny how you had A.J. Brown to the Eagles, and all of a sudden Jalen Hurts like, looks like an MVP candidate. You had Tyree Kill to the Dolphins, and he's having a big year. Uh, you had Stephon Diggs to the Bills, and Josh Allen's an otherworldly quarterback. It is funny when you go get big-time wide receivers, it makes the quarterback better. It helps. It helps. Ryan Tannehill could have used him yesterday. That's yes, for sure, he could have. They did what I thought they would do, which is take away that run game and force the Titans to try to play from behind, airing it out, and they couldn't really do it. Derrick Henry now, four straight over the last four weeks, he's below three yards of carry. Below three yards of carry. So I'm wondering if he is actually hitting the wall, and I'm wondering if Tennessee's best football's behind them. But yeah, this was a statement game for A.J. Brown. And we can nitpick the Eagles. I don't know that we can nitpick them as much as we should nitpick teams like the Vikings and the the Titans who have similar records. But Philadelphia, 11-1. Jalen Hurts continues to play like an MVP. Um, I think he's a runaway MVP right now. I don't know about that. Uh, dude, he had, three, he had 380 yards, three touchdowns yesterday, no picks, ran for another one. He had a monstrous day. And Joe Burrow had a pretty good game, too. Yeah, but he's he's behind him at the moment. We'll see. Says you. Says me. Uh, I was also right about the MVP of baseball. So. No, you were right about who they voted yeah, for, no, but I was, not, I, who, I was not right. who it really now, was. Actually, I was right about the MVP. No, you were right the, about the incorrect Not the Jason Lockett for MVP, the Major League Baseball MVP. Yeah, the old guys yeah, doing it yeah. the old way. Who won the MVP, Tim? That would be uh, Aaron Jones. Thank you. Otani should have. No, it says you. Regardless, though, look, this the Eagles now have put themselves. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I, I, the Eagles are probably the best team in football. I, I mean, I, they're, they're really good football. They got a dominant secondary. They got a legitimate pass rush. They seem to have shored up the run defense. You got Jordan Davis back, plus and Dominic Sue, plus Linville Joseph, yeah. and it's a really tough offense to defend. They can beat you different ways. Like you look at so many teams in this league. And they've got a certain sort of template to win. These guys can win ahead. They can win behind. They dominate the second quarter. For a while, they couldn't win in the second half. Lately, they've been dominating the second half. Like, they can beat you with an option game. They can beat you with a downfield, bombs away, seven-step drop passing game. Just looking at it in the prism of the NFC, and I know we're going to get to the 49ers, but Jimmy G going Mm -hmm. down for the year... Are we sold on the Vikings? No. Uh, No. Are we we sold on the Cowboys? No. No. You know, I, I... 
right now they're they're kind of head and shoulders above the rest of the pack in the NFC for me. Let, I'm with you, Bone. Let's get to the 49ers and Jimmy Garoppolo left the game early. Kyle Shanahan announces Garoppolo's status after the game. I mean, just hearing it, it was, it was pretty crushing. I mean, it's, we know what Jimmy's been through, how hard he's worked at this. You know, I, I got that news a little in the second quarter, um, so it was a little different for me, even just how happy we were with that game. That was a really cool game just as a team and all the stuff that went on throughout the game and just be able to co- overcome some things. And it was so, such a special win, um, but definite mixed emotions hearing about Jimmy. Um, I told the guys right after the game, and so I know that gave them some mixed emotions fast too, but um, it was a hell of a job by Brock coming in, stepping it up. He, he um, did a real good job today, and um, we're going to be ready to do our best to overcome this. Brock Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant, the last pick of the draft. 210 yards passing, two touchdowns, one pick, leading the 49 Well, that defense leads the 49ers. Yes. They, they don't give up 20 points. They won 33-17 yesterday. No, they turned two over, which they, you know the Dolphins hadn't been doing. The Dolphins played that game without either of their starting tackles. Yes. I thought that would be a problem. It, it was. was. Um, Tyreek Hill, 9 for 146 and a touchdown. Yeah, I mean, they, they hit their big plays, but but Tua's completion percentage was way off and the turnovers were way up. Yep. Um, I was really impressed by the kid Purdy. Like, I had zero expectations for him. But it's different, like, when that happens and the game's already flowing another way, right? You're already manhandling your opponent, and he just kind of comes in and plays on adrenaline. Like, him thinking about it for a full week, like, oh, man, now I'm in. <laughs> I went from Mr. Irrelevant to the starting quarterback of a team that, right before the starting quarterback got hurt, was becoming an odds-on favorite to at least reach the Super Bowl. And now I've got all that on my shoulders, and I've got all these mouths to feed here, right? McCaffrey and Debo and Kittle. And, yeah. Like, and now teams are going to prepare for them differently. It's. I think it's a massive blow. I, I do. And Garoppolo, this is this is... The biggest issue with him, right, is availability. He he has suffered. This has got to be his third season-ending injury of his career. Yeah, it's, no, he's, I think he, it is. When he is healthy, they win games, but he's not healthy a lot. No, and that, that that's going to be a tall task for them now. And it's a shame because, man, they would have been – and look, they should make the playoffs, barring a collapse, but – they would have been a really tough out. They were really starting to hit their stride, playing some complimentary football offensively and defensively. We know what Christian McCaffrey brought to them offensively. Well, and Garoppolo I, coming into that game on the four-game winning streak, seven touchdowns, no interceptions. Yeah, yeah the yeah. four-touchdown game uh, Monday night in Mexico. But bringing this up, not saying that he'd be a savior, but they need quarterbacks, and he knows the system. Is Baker Mayfield coming to play for San Francisco? He was waived today. Yeah, yes. no, I mean, he he certainly could. I bet uh, you they go to, you know what? They have to go to Christian McCaffrey and say, well, do you want to play with this dude again? Yeah. <laughs> they got to, don't they? Yeah. You, you gave up a boatload to get him. It's like, do you want to play with this guy again? Yeah, I mean, I, look, I think Christian McCaffrey wants to win football games, and if, if that's the best available quarterback, uh, you know, I, 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 you know, I guess. <laughs> it's... I, I, I think, look, whatever they do, and obviously they signed, you know, Josh Johnson. Yes. But I think Raven. Purdy Purdy is going to, I think Kyle Shannon is going to throw himself now into this Brock Purdy yeah. kid and seeing what that looks like for a few weeks. Inside access here on a victory Monday. Speaking of victories, the Terps had a big win this, uh, this, fr- this past Friday against Illinois. We recap next here on The Fan. Inside access with Jason Ken. The best Orioles coverage. The best Ravens coverage. The best Terps coverage. 105.7.
The Fan. Young will fire the jumper. Oh. Got it! Oh, <laughs> oh my goodness. Over Game time. Yeah, the crowd was great, oh. man. I tell you what, it was, you know, I was a little worried just because our first, you know, we haven't played in front of a big crowd. Um, and a lot of these guys haven't played in front of a big crowd. And I thought they came out and I thought the, the student section was, was phenomenal. You heard the highlight, Johnny Holiday on the call right here on 1057 The Fan, and then Kevin Willard after the game at the game talking after the game talking about the crowd. Maryland defeated Illinois 71-66 Friday night. They're now 13th in the country in the AP poll, which came out earlier today. They are 8-0, a date at Wisconsin tomorrow night. And as someone who was at the game Friday night, man, oh, man, I can tell you firsthand, the crowd was electric. Oh, it lit, you could tell on the broadcast. I mean, it was a major talking point for the broadcasters. And honestly, the Big Ten Network like seemed incredibly into this. You know how much they wanted to be in this market, and they want Maryland to be yes. vibrant. You, The pregame show, the halftime show, the postgame show was all about this conference is better when Maryland matters, and this conference is better when Maryland has that sort of electric atmosphere that we know that it's been capable of since the days of Cole Fieldhouse. And it, you could tell that building was on fire. Yeah, and the biggest signature win for Kevin Willard thus far, and that that's a quad one win there. I believe Miami's a quad one win as well. And Maryland, they would get out to these double-digit leads. Then Illinois kept coming back and coming back. But how about Jameer Young, man? Where it's <laughs> Wearing my he's, sneakers. He's a stud. I mean, hitting that shot at the end, just stones. And on a night where Julian Reese wasn't very good, well, they had, a, a, they had a big yes, that really, yeah. yeah. yeah well, having a Hakeem Hart stepping up and, and uh, Dante Scott. And we've been talking about Ian Martinez all season long. It seems like he's going to be that legit six man. Well, and Willard talked after the game like that wasn't exactly the play that was scripted up, the final shot. But he's like the fact that these kids already feel enough ownership mm-hmm. of this that, you know, he was feeling it and he was having a game and he came, right, he transferred from Charlotte here to play in front of his family to be back in the DMV, to be in this building on a night like this. And then he delivers the dagger. Um, Yeah, it was was super impressive. Um, Now, look, I, I do think, though, there were times in that game where I'm like, Boy, there's a there's a lot of size in the Big Ten, and this team does. Well, Purdue this, will be interesting. This team does you. not, you know. Th- there's there's a size. Well, in Michigan, like yeah, there, there's a size yeah. imbalance here, and I think sometimes the team was a little naive. Now it's the first time they probably ran into it, but some of the things that were going on in their backcourt, you know, simple things like not boxing out, how many offensive rebounds Illinois got at times, um, some of the turnovers, right? Getting moving the ball out of your own half, like there's. There's some newness there, and there's some things that that they're going to have to correct. Um, it was getting sloppy down the stretch, and you were thinking with Illinois kept going on a run, it just seemed like Maryland was losing their grip of this game. They and never relinquished the lead. They though. didn't they relinquish t- the yeah. lead, yeah. but it, it, what, it was down to one. They um, tied it. Yeah, yeah. so um, that's something that I wanted to see uh, how they respond there is – this was their first close game. This was their first close game that went down to the wire, and they still found a way to pull it out after really taking Illinois' best punch at the end. Should have rephrased. They never get, they never fell behind in the game. They, yes. the Illinois did tie it. Uh, I'll say again, Donta Scott, 
Hakeem Hart, Ian Martinez. It wasn't a great night for Julian Reese, but he's had a great year thus far for the most part. The four guys, the holdovers, the guys that were part of the detergent Maryland program, they're playing so well under Willard. It's obvious they bought in the way they play defense. The way that to watch them move without the basketball on yeah. offense, something that we didn't see a whole lot last year. It, it is it is a, a pleasant surprise and something that I, I will continue to to look for when I watch these guys. They, there was an interesting point brought up on the post game show that really resonated for me, especially in light of let's say what's now going on in the Colorado football program, right where where. Deion Sanders basically came in and said, you're all out. Yeah. Now, that was a one-win team. They've been down way more than the Terps have been. But I can't remember which analyst it was made a really good point and said, look, there's a couple different ways you could approach coming to a program like this in the era of the portal and NIL. You could try to replace kids, or you could recruit, bring into the portal, get people to supplement that existing core and go out of your way to win over that existing core. And that's what he did, right? He didn't try to get somebody better than those kids. Let's go get somebody young who gives us something, yeah. right, Jameer Young, something we don't have, but I'm not going to try to out – I'm not going to try to go over your head in the portal. I want this to be your program. He went and got guards. He went and supplemented yeah. the existing core and re-recruited the existing core that, yeah. let's face it, had to feel pretty bad about Maryland Athletics – Right around this time last year, right, we're almost coming up on a calendar year. It was a year ago, a year ago it's, over yeah, the weekend right. that he was so. It's exactly yeah, just over exactly yeah. a calendar. Like, and I thought, wow, that's a really kind of brilliant point. Like, he could have just tried to bring more kids with him from Seton Hall, or just phase this group out, right, and say, well, that's kind of tainted and that's toxic, and they probably don't love this school the way they did before. So let me just move on. He did the opposite. It's reaping big rewards for him and them. And they brought that up during the Louisville broadcast on ESPN. Julian Reese, being a freshman, his sister transferred, and Willard had to give him that pitch where he's had guys at Seton Hall, big men, have success in the NBA, getting him to say. Uh, Dante Scott, having him completely transform his body, lose 25 pounds, get a senior to buy into that, and, of course, he came hard as well, so... Definitely, uh, Willard deserves a ton of credit there. It was, it was. So I was at the game a year ago, Turgeon's last yes. game. Different crowd Friday night than it Willard than <laughs> yeah. Turgeon's last game. And this, it was, it was an awesome atmosphere. Uh, I what Willard's doing right now is amazing. And and like Jonas said earlier, it's. It's not about the top 25, but it is cool to see a team that started unranked to now be ranked 13th in the country. And you got Wisconsin, and they play a very deliberate style of basketball. That's a game, even under Turgeon, they could go, they could play with Wisconsin. Uh, I'm, I'm intrigued to watch what these guys do tomorrow night. You can hear that game right here on 1057 The Fan. And look, they're going to hit some rough patches. Oh, yeah, like, going there's going to be some losses. Like They've got to cultivate a little more depth here, right? And again, I think the size thing is going to be an issue from time to time. But you couldn't ask for. A better start than this. You really couldn't. And not only that, but he's got the number 11 recruiting class in the country coming in next year. So he seemed, Willard seems to be pressing all the right buttons. And I can remember something that Jimmy Patsos told us when we had him on months ago. He's like, the difference, and, and, and we had. You and I, T Bone, interviewed Willard right after he got the job. And I, I, I asked him, like, some people complain about your offense at Seton Hall. What do you say to them? And he said, I can only play with what the players I got. He said, and, and as Jimmy said, he couldn't get four star recruits. Or he couldn't get four star recruits to come to Seton Hall. He can get five star recruits on the phone at Maryland. So it's a whole different ball of wax. Exactly, and and that's why I'm even. This year's awesome. I mean, they already have their highest uh, ranking since 
the season-ending AP poll in 2020 when they won a share of the Big Ten. They were 12th, now they're 13th. And I don't think this is a mirage. I think this is for real. Are they going to stay in the top 15 all year long? We'll see. The Big Ten's strong. But what's going on right now, it has to just get every single Terps fan so jacked up for you know 2023 and beyond. Speaking of jacked up, I'm jacked up for another edition of Six Pack. We did the defense earlier in the show. Coming up next, our Six Pack of Offensive Observations here on The Fan. Inside Access on The Fan. Six Pack is brought to you by Window Nation. Cut your energy bills up to 30% this winter. Call Window Nation today. Buy two windows, get two free with no interest payments until 2025. 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com. It's Jason and Ken's Six Pack. Inside access to what the boys are drinking. (laughs) I mean, thinking. 1057 Affair. Six-pack time. We gave our defensive observations earlier. Now time for the offense. And Stone, let's get started. Number six. Just want to, uh, number six, uh, Isaiah Likely, who left the game and it looked like he was in severe pain, thought he was done for the day, but came back in, made a big catch on the final touchdown drive. Isaiah, and then a little bit of yak as well uh, for Isaiah Likely. Uh, I, I see a role developing, especially with uh with Tyler Huntley going to be playing in the near future and him not pushing the ball down the field, Tyler Huntley will need Isaiah Likely, and I I was impressed with the kid's toughness. Yeah, me too. He was a a key element for them down the stretch. My six is the Prochet option pass. Either light it on fire or put it back in the vault with a combination that you lose uh, access to and forget, but don't, don't you ever... Take that out of the vault ever again, especially not in plus territory with three points already basically on the board with that kicker. Come on now, bro. Number five. I struggled with where to put this because it's so baked into their cake, so I slip it here at five. But, like, this downfield passing game is a joke. (laughs) I mean, it's nobody separates. And now with Huntley, look, there's not going to be as much of an emphasis on pushing it anyway. But, I mean, the league average running the ball this year is 4.5 per carry. And Ravens wide receivers average 5.5 yards per catch in an entire NFL football game in the year of our Lord 2022. Like, that happened. 17 catches for 94 yards. Um, I I mean, that's broken, bro. It's a little higher as well. broken. Uh, five for me is that uh, Lamar Jackson, and even with him at quarterback, he kind of drove the bus of this running game. They have nothing right now without him. And with Tyler Huntley, who's mobile, but he ain't Lamar mobile. And the running game looks absolutely broken right now. Number four. Number four is where the James Prochet pass goes here. And, and and just a horrible play call. And even Harbaugh said today in his press conference that it was a mistake. Uh, to, to give the ball to a guy that gets really no run. So, of course, he's got the ball in his hands to throw the ball. He's not going to think about eating it and running because he wants to make a play. He wants to be a hero. So he throws the ball into quadruple coverage. And he throws it right to Justin Simmons. It was an asinine decision at the time. It, 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 I just don't understand. And as Jason brought up earlier, they're in field goal range already in a game that 
that is is a one score game. It's just utter stupidity to call that play there, especially when you know the guy that you're putting the ball in his hands is going to throw the ball no matter what. And the broadcast said that they did research and could never find any documentation approach they ever throwing. Like maybe in Pop Warner, but not in high school, college, or obviously the well, pros. The ball looked good as it yeah, sailed to Justin to Simmons. Yeah. yeah, into quintuple coverage. Justin Simmons had two of the easiest interceptions he's ever going to have oh, in his wait, life. Oh, that was in my six-pack. Oh, no, was that yeah. an X-factor? It was not in my six-pack, yeah. but was an X-factor. I Justin said that Simmons, Simmons would have at least yeah. one interception. Yeah, when we gets the ball thrown to him twice, he better yeah, catch well, it. He's in position. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, to me, we, one of we the fought sn- over text message nah, over that. Yeah, in, yeah. To me, one of the my four, and now all I can think about is it's a mistake by Men at Work. <laughs> it's a great like song. I'm, I'm picturing like Harbaugh. He should have been yelling that into. He should have been yelling that into the headset as that call came in. <laughs> it's a mistake. Uh, they actually converted short yardage, and on a day when their third down uh, overall was pretty poor. They kept drives alive, the few they had, by converting short yardage. You got the Andrews, right, direct snap. Um, the the cute little option play with the jet sweep motion, mm-hmm. and he hugs it out of Duvernay's gut, and Snoop keeps it. I mean, those were – every play mattered. Every second mattered in a game this close, and at least they were – and short yardage has been an issue for so long. I, I felt like that was sort of one of the keys to the game is, is them converting that stuff, three for three. You can't have the Prochet play at six, Jason. I mean, Ken, Ken gets it by virtue of that. It's got to be higher than six. I mean, it's just burning. They went three for three just, on fourth I, down. You I, think that's important? You I, think the one play is more important than I, that? I, yes. N- yeah. Not yeah. as important wow. as blowing a that scoring that, opportunity that, in a 10-9 yeah, game. That, that okay. Just, it, it was – you doubled down. Three plays versus one. Yeah. You doubled down on dumb because mm. you called the play and then James Prochet proceeded to – Throw it downfield in the triple coverage. Well, you're not paying him to read defenses. If you put the ball in his hands in space, he's going to throw it. That's why it's a horrible decision and belongs higher. We are doing offensive takeaways, and let's continue. Number three. Oh, it's me. (laughs) Look, there's way more good than bad with Huntley. You ask that kid to come in cold and throw the ball more than 30 times, and only five of them end up on the grounder in somebody else's hands who's not employed by you, and that only happened once. That's a pretty good day. He grew into the game. He had to do everything on the final drive. Legs, pass, throwing on the run. He made it happen. I mean, the the little sort of stop and go pass down the sidelines, I mean, that was pretty special. You know, he just gave a look. Um I'm trying to remember who it was too down the Kenyon left side. Drake. To Drake, yeah. Yeah, I asked him about it. After yeah, the game. like I mean, he did. Like there was some stuff there that he had to kind of take over himself on the fly. And every that belongs much. Higher. Every play mattered. Every snap mattered, and way more good Snoop than bad. Number three for me is something. And Jason just gave the stat: the wide receivers they were more active. Seventeen catches for ninety-four yards. Like. I don't know how to react to 17 for 94. That's difficult to have 17 catches for less than 100 yards. My, my initial reaction is that's something, I guess. But, man, oh, man. And it just it just illustrates the fact they're not going to be pushing the football down the field with Tyler Huntley in there. Number two. Number two is Lamar Jackson going out. Like, like the fact that he is injured now, he did not finish the game. He will probably not play next week or the week after. But more importantly, this game, it completely changed what they could do offensively, limited them as far as passing the ball, limited their running game. Uh, his his uh, absence from the game affected the football game. 
Yeah, his injury's a little higher. <coughs> I mean, number two is the run game's broken. It was not good with Lamar, and the running backs have not. We're, we're now. You got to go back five weeks to find a running back who looked like anything special, and even then, you got to kind of look at who it was against. 14 rushes for 43 yards by their running back, 3.07 per carry. Gus has not been himself since he came back. And over the last four games, 78 rushes, 280 yards, 3.6 per carry. Again, in a year in which the NFL league average rushing total is higher than it's ever been in the history of this game. And you've got a quarterback now who's a backup who's not going to push it downfield. You're talking about a constricted offense getting even more claustrophobic. Number one. Number one is the franchise quarterback got hurt for the second year in a row and constant pressure was a big problem. And the offensive line got a lot of kudos and a lot of attaboys and a lot of lauds. Um, And this was a game in which Ricard played less than he had pretty much all year. This was like a 33% snap game for him. We saw running backs whiff in pass protection. We saw numerous individuals on the offensive line whiff in pass protection, including Lele, numerous times. And that's a tough ask for him. Oliver was asked to do some things that did not go very well for him. They were under duress from a team that had not rushed the passer at all since they traded Bradley Chubb at home. No bueno. Not good enough, boys. Number one is the 91-yard drive that Tyler Huntley led them on the longest uh, scoring drive of the year for the Baltimore Ravens, which included that 13-yard pass to Kenyon Drake where they he basically mentally audibled during the play. Pump fake to Drake. Drake knew to run down the sideline, hit Drake, and they got down to the two-yard line. Until that play was made, we were joking in the press box. I kept saying, well, 50 yards in three minutes is possible. 40 <laughs> yards in one minute and 40 seconds possible. Until he hit Drake on that play, I was sort of convinced mentally, because we saw it last year late, that they weren't scoring a touchdown on that drive. But once he hit Drake on that play, you knew they were going to score a touchdown, and they did, and they won the game. That's a big W for the ginger gorilla. Similar list, but I like Ken's position. He had nothing better. about short yardage, I, I, which really I, sustained that's those That's right, because I, I, four cause for, my, I three I, for three on I, fourth down I had for six a team that everybody was wanting to run yeah. the coach out of yeah. town for going for it on fourth down no, too much. No, I, against I, the top five I, defense. I had six more important things. But it's not things. even in there. No, okay. no, I had six more important things. Yeah, that's right. right. Yeah. Sure. You didn't even. <laughs> His number one is they won the game. Yeah. That's great. No, my number well, one is they let him on the observation. No, they, let they won the game. They let him on the longest You're scoring right, drive of the year. We, yeah. we sat next to each other. We had there was no confidence that there two fourth down <laughs> conversions there, which were short yardage, like you were saying, Jason. Yeah, a lot it was of the key to the game. Too, no, but but key to the game was scoring. Yeah, okay. I mean, the longest scoring drive of the year. One touchdown. Yeah, that's that's number one, jackass. That they had a touchdown. Yeah, that's a brilliant observation. Yeah, thank you. And the pass to Kenyon Drake, which was the they, also, the play they played the, the game at M and T Bank Stadium. That that was going to be my yeah, number yeah, seven. Yeah, that's that's similar. That's GG observation. That's a, that's an interesting yeah. fact there, Jason. Yeah, yeah. Uh, hey, coming up next. On this fantastic program, what happened in the AFC North this weekend? I'll give you a hint. The Bengals look really good. It's Northern Exposure next here on The Fan. Inside Access on The Fan. Northern Exposure on Inside Access. Sponsored by Plaza Ford. See why customers have trusted Plaza Ford for more than 85 years. Get quality vehicles and superior service at Plaza Ford. Bel Air Road in Bel Air or online at PlazaFord.com. Jason LaConfora and Ken Wyman traverse the AFC North. 105.7 The Fan. 
Backpedaling. Hand wide open at the five. And that's a touchdown for Chris Evans, who's barely seen the field. He comes in and scores the go-ahead touchdown. Jim Nance won the call, CBS. The Bengals outscored the Chiefs 10-0 in the fourth quarter, defeating the Chiefs 27-24. Remember, the Bengals went into a stretch of Pittsburgh at Pittsburgh, then at Tennessee, home against the Chiefs, and we're talking about they could lose two of these three. They go 3-0 and in that stretch. They're still tied with the Ravens, although Ravens hold the tiebreaker. But man, oh man, the Bengals look like a far superior team than the Ravens right now. Oh, they are. Um... Look, we talked about it a little bit last week that Joe Burrow was putting together a MVP campaign here, uh, and he just went out and beat Patrick Mahomes. And you go back to week three, and they had that brutal start early, and he was getting hit 12, 14 times a game. But they're 8-2 and two since then. They've run the gauntlet of the AFC, including back-to-back weeks against teams that people were talking about as being among the creme de la creme. And Joe Burrow's not making any mistakes, and he's making big boy throws. And the defense is really good. And and Awuzie has been out for several weeks now. And, again, they, they just shut the Chiefs down. I mean, you hold the Chiefs to 24 points. Yeah. You're living right. He fumbled by Travis Kelsey, too. And, and you know, their red zone defense has gotten legitimate. I picked them to win the division. I thought on paper they're the best team in the division. And I thought they would compete for another Super Bowl. And I expect all of those things to happen. They made Patrick Mahomes look pretty Mundane. pedestrian. Yeah. Uh, and keep in mind this. Remember uh, Tyler Boyd? He dropped that gimme uh, for a touchdown where they had to settle for a field goal there. So I, it could have been more. And Smajay Piran. I mean, I over like him. I've always yards. thought he's and, underused. Uh, completely. And especially from a receiving standpoint, um, that's really where they use him a lot when Mixon is in there. But. He rushed for over 100 yards. This this Bengals team is just humming. Let's go to Houston where the Browns beat the Texans 27-14. And, uh, Deshaun Watson was terrible. They won this game because they scored yes. a punt return touchdown. They had a fumble return for a touchdown. They got a safety. They, the offense was awful yesterday, but they played the worst team in football, and they look like it. Yeah, they're lucky they played the Texans, and they're lucky that Kyle Allen was dead set on being a double agent. And you know, it was it was pick sixes, it was interceptions, it was big kick, it was big returns. Um, the the Browns' offense was pretty pathetic. Yeah. I mean, Deshaun Watson, the decision making was off. He didn't seem confident in himself. He throws the early pick. He takes a, like you know, there's a safety. Like they won despite. Their offense, and they faced the worst team in football on a day when that team was in full self-destruct mode with a guy playing quarterback who has no business playing quarterback. So they'll take that win. Um, I was surprised by the game plan early. I felt like Stefan like this watching that game told me that Stefanski thinks he's in trouble because I think he feels like I got to show this guy off. I got I got to like I, I got to have him do everything Jacoby Brissett was doing, even though he hasn't played in 700 days, because my owner thinks he's a million times better than Jacoby Brissett, and he's not. So I looked at that approach saying, this guy's already feeling the heat. Um, and look, maybe by the time the Ravens play the Browns, Deshaun Watson has something going, but I'm I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it, and I'm not buying what you said, Jason, because... They play the Bengals in Cincinnati on Sunday, and we're going to really find out what Deshaun Watson is made of in that game. He better because, be better than he was yesterday. And you don't think Cincinnati's going to be going into that game pissed off after they got embarrassed on Monday Night Football a few weeks back in Cleveland? Yeah, they're, they're going to want to get after Watson. 
Finally, the Steelers just say they, they won't go away. They improved to 5-7, and seven, beating the Falcons. 19-16, Jason. Write them off at your own peril. Another game where the rookie quarterback managed it pretty well. No picks. Six, six, six George, or seven different people involved in George the run Pickens game. George not happy. Defense stepping up. Atlanta sucks. But Atlanta does suck. Ravens take on the Steelers this Sunday. Hey, coming up next, we've talked about the game, but time to find out what Bobby D thinks. He's watched the film. He joins us next here on The Fan. Inside Access. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 